It's time for another episode of Gospel Preaching Live, brought to you by the Kearney Church of Christ, which meets at 406 North Clark in Kearney, Missouri. Make plans to come out and visit the brethren who look forward to seeing you. And now the host of Gospel Preaching Live, Richard Dodson. Hi, friends. Welcome to Gospel Preaching Live. My name is Richard Dodson. I work as a minister at the Kearney Church of Christ in Kearney, Missouri. Each week, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. and Thursday evenings at 7 p.m., I try to come online and bring a message from God's Word, and I pray that you'll find it to be beneficial. If you have any questions regarding this lesson, you can either leave a comment in the YouTube or Facebook sections if you're watching on that, or you can reach out to me by calling 816-686-9517, calling or texting 816-686-9517. You can also drop me an email at gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. That's gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. If you call or text, please keep in mind, I am in the central time zone. Well, I sure am excited that you have chose to be with me this evening, and I Pray that the message will be beneficial to you and uh, uplifting and, and that uh, we'll all be able to, to benefit from this. Tonight, I want to talk about the seven greatest promises of God. Now, there is no scripture that reveals a greater promise that I know of. These are the seven greatest promises according to me. Now, it may be that you have a different opinion. You may think of a couple of promises that I missed that you might think should be in this list. Let me hear from you. Go ahead and, and uh, contact me as we discussed before, and let me know the promises that you think should be uh, put in this lesson. But I like to discuss the promises, especially the greatest promises, uh, because it's, it's just uplifting to think that these things are so, and they cannot be taken away. Some of these Promises are conditional, and I understand that, but it doesn't negate the fact that if I meet those conditions, God's going to be true to his word. So with that, let's go ahead and by way of introduction, look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. Peter says, his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Well, we all want to escape sinful de desires, and we do live in the world. And so these promises become, as the Bible says, very precious to us. They're very precious, and they're very great. And so it behooves us from time to time to think about those promises because that helps build our hope or helps us focus on the hope that lays before us. When I was a young man, there was an amusement park opened up in Kansas City, and it's still there today. It's, it's called Worlds of Fun. It's very similar to the Six Flags that you'll see in Texas or in St. Louis, but it's, it's referred to as Worlds of Fun. Silver Dollar City is another one. Uh, uh, Dollywood, I think, down in uh, Pigeon Forge, I believe. 
is another, but uh, Worlds of Fun is the one we have here in the Midwest and the heart of the country. And my father, when it opened, he and, and my uncle promised to take me and my cousin. And that promise, well, I'm telling you what, that, that, that really meant we wanted to go so bad because that's all everybody was talking about was Worlds of Fun. It was brand new. And everybody was who'd got to go already was, you know, going around and talking about how neat the rides were. And so the day finally came when my father and uncle had promised to take us. It was a Sunday, much like a, a today. And uh, after church, we were going to go to Worlds of Fun. And it was just such a neat thing to see them hold true to their word. And uh, and it's it's there was a <laughs> There was a roller coaster called the Zambezi Zinger. Boy, I tell you what, it scared me to death. But the, the thoughts, my father is going to be 89. And it just struck me. At one time, my father and I wrote the Zambezi Zinger together. Now, that's a sight. That's a sight. But needless to say, it happened because he kept his word. And so, like my father, my heavenly father has made promises. And it just... It makes you so excited to think that you know that that's going to happen. And uh, let's go ahead and, and look at one more verse in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. Paul was making mention of the fact that we are sons and daughters. And, and he says, since we, and that was at the end of chapter 6, he said, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. We have these promises. That's just that they're great promises. They're precious promises, and we have them. That's what's neat. We have them. So let's go ahead and start in, and, and let's look at what I consider to be the seven greatest promises. Again, you may have a different opinion on what might be the greatest, but I think on this one here, we're probably all going to agree the forgiveness of sins has to be one of the greatest promises. And that's just uh, anyone who knows that feeling of hopelessness understands how great the forgiveness of sin is because we were in the bondage to sin. And having those sins forgiven is something that you know we can't make light of. In 1 John 1 and verse 9, John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, to forgive us our sins. This is one of those conditional ones. He's going to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, see, it's conditional, along with some other things as well. But uh, we have that promise of forgiveness of sins. And then in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14 and 15, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Again, this is another conditional promise. You know, I remember when I was a boy, a, a young boy, my mother loved Elvis Presley, just absolutely loved him. And this movie made a big impact on me. I, I believe the name of the movie might have been Love Me Tender, but in the movie, Elvis dies. And I was watching the movie with my mother, and I didn't understand. I was very young, and I, I asked my mother, I'm like, what happened to Elvis? Why didn't he get up? 
And she tried to explain he's dead. So I'm like, dead, what's that? And she tried to explain it to me. And I'm like, well, what happens after you die? And she's like, well, you're just dead. You're done. I'm like, you mean you just don't live anymore? And she's like, yes. And I was like, well, who does that happen to? She said, everybody. I tell you what, I got up and I ran to my mom's bedroom and I got in bed and I pulled the covers up. I mean, I was scared to death. The thoughts of just being dead and being no more bothered me. And then my mother followed me into the room and she knew I was upset. And that's when she explained to me about Jesus in heaven. And I cannot, I'll never forget all of a sudden that feeling of relief. And I was just a young boy, but you see that goes to show you how great a promise this is, because if you've ever experienced that feeling, that hopelessness of being lost eternally because of your sins, then you can appreciate this promise. You can appreciate Jesus Christ. And these conditions aren't going to matter to you because you're going to meet them. You want you want that promise. You want to be a partaker of that promise. And so the conditions mean nothing to you. If you understand, if you comprehend the fact of what sin does to you, you're going to want to get rid of it. And how blessed be the name of the Lord He's made that promise that he will forgive our sins if we meet his conditions. Okay, that leads us to greatest promise of God, number two, meeting our daily needs. Some people may think this is a silly one, but I don't necessarily think it is. We we need to live on this earth uh, until Jesus comes again. We're going to have to survive, and, and God has promised to meet our daily needs. In fact, anything more of this, we shouldn't be concerned about. Uh, in Jesus's prayer where he taught the disciples how to pray, I mean, that was one of the, the things that he said, give us, uh, give us our daily needs. And so um, we have to understand we need to be focused on our daily needs and not on things of the needs of the future, but, but uh, the daily needs can be pressing. And we have promises from God that he's going to help us with that. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 6, back to the Sermon on the Mount, verse 30 through 33. If God so clothes the grass of the field, Jesus says, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and all your and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first a conditional promise, but then your daily needs are going to be taken care of. That's a promise. That's a promise from God. And so we don't have to worry about our daily needs. We just do what we're supposed to be doing, and God's going to be there to help us. In Philippians chapter 4, and verse 18 and 19, Paul said, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, talking about the uh, gift that was given to him to help in his, his daily needs. He says, having received uh, from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And then he, he prayed for this. My God will supply every need of yours according to his, the, his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, he said this in 
by inspiration. And so this is a promise of God. I mean, Paul is saying it, but it's God saying it through Paul. My God will supply every need of yours. He didn't even have to. Uh, Jesus had already said it. And so we understand then that we can rest on this promise. We shouldn't be anxious about our daily needs. God's going to take care of it. Now, it may, he doesn't say that he's going to provide you with a, a four-car garage house. He doesn't say he's going to provide you with a new house. He doesn't say many things about how he's going to provide you, but he's going to take care of your daily needs, and therewith we should be content. That's a promise, and that sets Christians far ahead of everybody else. Non-Christians have to worry about these things. Christians don't. And it's a great promise. It's something that when you put your head on your pillow at night, you don't have to worry about meeting the needs of the next day. You can focus on sleep because God's already watching over you and taking care of that. This is a big one. He's never going to forsake me. That's a big, big promise because I need Jesus. I need him all the time, but he's going to be with me. I have that promise, and I can rest assured to that. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, I read, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, as we just talked about. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So no matter what I'm going to be facing in this life, I know I can go through it with Jesus because he's going to take care of my daily needs. I may be wondering and asking myself, Lord, how can I do this? Just like Jesus, when he was in the garden, he prayed three times, Lord, <laughs> let this cup pass from me. But the Lord's will was that he had to partake in that. So uh, he had to he had to go through with it. Well, sometimes in life, we have to do things that we don't really want to do. But we got Jesus right there, right by our side to help us. I remember wanting to learn how to ride a bicycle as a young boy, but I didn't know how to balance myself on my bicycle. And so I went to a school with my father and my father just said, look, he goes, you just, you just pump that bicycle and try to steer it. I'm going to be holding you up. I'm going to be running right behind you and I'm going to be holding on to the bar back here. And I just had so much assurance from him that he was going to be with me. And I believed him that I pumped that bicycle as hard as I could. My dad just ran and ran and ran. But we went round and round and round until finally he kind of had an idea that I could do it. And so he gladly let go. But uh, he gave me fair warning he was going to do that. And uh, next thing you know, I was going solo. But the thing is, he had told me, you know, when you start pumping, I'll be right here. I'm going to be with you. And I went through that with my dad. There was a lot of things my dad was with me that was hard. But, you know, I didn't, I failed to see that that was just preparing me for my eternal father and my life of faith. Because I know my heavenly father is with me and he's not going to forsake me. So these things I have to face in life. I know he'll be there. He's going to be holding my bike up, if I can use that as a metaphor, and, and he's going to be with me. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy 
and find grace to help in time of need. Now, the reason I put that in there is about that in time of need. We will find help. We will find Jesus. Why? He's not going to forsake us. He's, he's there. And so we have that promise. He's right there with us when we need him. And we always need him. So he's always there with us. Now, here's another promise of God. And this is a neat one if you, if you really stop and think about it. To be a son of God. A lot of people don't think about themselves as a son or a daughter of God. But the Bible describes us as that. Look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Paul said, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And that just sounds strange when you think of Jesus being a son of God. In Galatians 3 and verse 26, it says, for faith or in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. We are sons of God. So when we look at Jesus and then we exemplify Jesus in our life, what we long to hear is the same thing that the Lord testified of his son Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so we want God to say the same thing about us. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In order for us to do that, we have to be obedient. But isn't it neat to know that we can be called a son of God, to be honored as such in the same way Jesus was the son of God? That's really amazing to think about. And I know I consider it to be one of the uh, uh, great blessings of being in Christ is to be a son of God, because I know then that uh, the relationship that God has with me. Uh, it's the same in, in a small way. I know how I feel about my son. And my son is a good, good young man. And, and I, I love him so much. Well, I know then that God feels that way about his sons and daughters in the same way that I feel about my son. He loves them. But it's it's that much more because he is all holy and righteous and and I'm not, I'm trying, but I'm not what God is. And so I can, I have an idea how he feels about his sons and daughters uh, when I think about my love for my children. So it's a neat thing. It's a very neat thing. Here's another great promise. Hearing my prayers. You know, it, it's real close to being, you know, the, the Lord not forsaking you. But to know that I can pray to God, that I have the ability to go before that throne and to make whatever petition I want before him, that is scriptural anyway, that is, and what I mean by scriptural is, is, is it's, it's authorized. It's not something that I'm going to consume upon my own lust. I can go to God with these types of things, and, and, and it, it's of comfort. And 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. You know, I remember the first time my mother had a stroke, probably the second time. I think the first one was a real little one, but it was a major stroke. This one was, and, and we had to call an ambulance and 
you know, it was scary. They were putting her into the uh, ambulance and then we followed the ambulance to the hospital and, and uh, I followed in my truck. I was all alone, but I prayed and because I, there was nothing I could do for my mother, but I knew that God could. And the comfort that I got from being able to go before the throne in a time of need and having this promise, knowing that God is hearing my prayer and he's going to be there with me, that, that, that is comforting. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 29, it says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And so because of that, I, I try my best to live as righteous as I can. I try to overcome temptation because in such cases, such as my mother following her ambulance, hey, I need God. I really needed him in that truck. Not only did I have to focus on driving while crying profusely, I, had, I, I needed God. I, I needed his emotional strength. I needed him to provide me what I needed to do to help my family. And that was hard, but God was with me. And uh, I know he'll be with me in other times like that as well, as long as I meet these conditions. So I, I, it, it's a great promise that God has enabled me through Jesus Christ to approach his throne. And I want to emphasize that by no means have I been given the right to go before his throne by my own righteousness. I, I, I would never be given that right. The only way I can go before the throne is because of Jesus Christ and the grace that came down upon me because of Jesus. That's the only way I could go before that throne. But I can, and so I do. And so uh, think about that when you pray. Think about the blessing of the promise of being able to to go before God in prayer and to know he hears your prayers. You know, this next promise is one that I think about every single day, and that's when Jesus is coming again. Because that's going to signal the end of times. Time will be destroyed. Eternity will start. And I'm looking forward to that day. I want to be with God in heaven. Jesus said concerning that day in Matthew 24, 36, and 37, that the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as it were in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Meaning that everything went along as life was supposed to be going along. And then here come the water. So uh, we don't know when Jesus is going to come again. But we know he's coming because he made that promise. And since we don't know when he's coming, we have to mind ourselves, make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing because he can come at any time. But needless to say, the promise to know that he is coming back, that's of great comfort. And that tells me that and when he comes again, if I'm found faithful and I plan to be, that uh, I'll be with him and that I'll receive that reward that he's bringing with him. In Revelation twenty two twelve, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he's done. So I want to do what is righteous so then I can receive that reward. Not that it's payment for being righteous, 
but it's a fulfillment of a promise. And so I'm looking forward to that coming. I, I really am. And I can't wait for the day when Jesus comes again and we hear that last trumpet. And then finally, this last one, I think everybody would agree with me on this one. It's got to be one of the greatest promises of God, and that's eternal life. You're not going to be dead forever. You're going to have eternal life. 1 John 5, verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. You know, I can't even imagine being alive forever. That's that's a different thought process for me. But I know it's a promise of God, and it's far better than the alternative. So, uh, yes, this is something I consider to be one of the, the greatest promises. And and I think about quite a bit about, you know, what, what I, I, there's no concept of time in heaven, so I I don't know what we're going to be doing with our time, but I know it's going to be fruitful. Galatians 6 and verse 8 says, The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So let's reap to the Spirit. Uh, I'm sorry, let's sow to the Spirit. Um, we want to get that eternal life. We want to go to heaven. And we got that promise. What a great thing to know that we'll be able to be with God forever. Okay, the seven greatest promises, according to me, forgiveness of sins, meeting your daily needs, never forsaking us, to be a son of God or a daughter of God, hearing my prayers, his second coming, and eternal life. So again, if you have any other promises that you'd like to mention, Go ahead and leave them on Facebook or YouTube, or you can reach out to me by email uh, or call or text, and uh, I'd like to hear what you think. But these are the ones that I focus on, and I consider I consider these to be uh, very great and precious promises. But here's the verse that I really enjoy when I think about the promises of God. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17 and 18. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we are fled. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Yes, it's impossible for God to lie. So you can take these promises we talked about and cast it in stone. That's cool. I mean, think about that. It's really, really neat. Okay, that's the lesson I have for you. I hope you appreciated it. I like to think about them. I, I really enjoyed the lesson. I like putting it together. I, I It just causes me to, to think about good things. And so uh, if anything else, hopefully I helped you to think about good things and to get excited about uh, the future. Hey, if you're ever in Kearney, Missouri, come and, and join us. We'd like you to, to join our Bible study. Uh, we have, meet every Sunday morning at 930 and then uh, hang around for worship service at 1030. You can learn all about the church by going to CarneyChurch.com. If you enjoyed this lesson, you want to hear more like them, tune in to KPGZ 102.7 FM in Kearney, Missouri, 
every Sunday morning at 7 a.m., and you'll hear a lesson from God's Word. If you live outside of Kearney and you cannot tune it in on your radio, uh, you can stream it on your mobile device. They do that as well. I also have been making podcasts lately of the sermon. So uh, just look up on your platform, see if you can find Gospel Preaching Live, and you'll be able to hear uh, lessons like these. Now, if you can't see, find it on your platform, uh, send me a message, and I will try to get on that. Berean Spirits is an internet show that I take part in with a few other preachers, and we try to study like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. Every Thursday morning at 10 a.m., we invite listeners to join on Facebook and YouTube by making comments in the comment section, and uh, we incorporate that into our Bible study. We use their comments. Uh, if you can join us, you can reach us by going to carneychurch.com, pressing on the Facebook, YouTube, or Berean Spirits app. And remember, that's every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. And if you cannot uh, join us live, we leave these uh, uh, copies up there so you can watch a replay of it. And then also we have been putting them on and uh, in, in podcast form on Spotify and various other uh, uh, um, platforms as well. Again, you can reach out to me and I'll change that if need be. Okay, that's all I have for you today. And Lord willing, I'll come to you again this Thursday at 7 p.m. Until then, remember, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice in it and be glad. This has been Gospel Preaching Live. Join us each week as truth is taught, faith is examined, and beliefs are challenged. Be sure and hit the like button so you can be notified of future episodes. And to watch past episodes, go to our website, carneychurch.com. This has been a work of the Carney Church of Christ.